This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. What is up, everybody? It's the Pursuit Podcast on the Auto Collective. I'm your host. I'm always your host of the Pursuit, Mr. Adam X. I'm in Austin. It's hot. It's really, really, really hot. Um, that's a bad thing to complain about, but whatever. It's hot. That's all I have to complain about here on a pro volleyball tour. So if you, I might bring some volleyball athletes on. <sighs> Interested to hear what you guys think about that, but I love telling people stories and that's what I want to continue to do. Whether it is skiing, cycling, mountain biking, hiking, I don't care if you're a frolfer. I want to hear your story. I want to hear what you have to say. And I want to know all about it. So, yeah, I don't know. I might bring some pro volleyballers on. We'll see. We shall see. Their lives are crazy. Like, they just play in the sand on the beach every day. Anyway, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Before we get into the episode, as always have to do a couple thank yous and shout outs to our sponsors the thing that makes this thing run uh, my first sponsor this week is onyx onyxmaps.com use code out of bounds save you a couple bucks on your subscription and what onyx really does is they make apps for your outdoor adventures whether it be onyx off-road onyx hunt and onyx backcountry it's really a tool, a guidebook that's in your pocket that's accessible. Uh, if you're using Onyx Off-Road and you have your souped up Tundra or Tacoma, and I know I'm looking at all you boys out there with those truck beds full of racks, let's put those racks to use. Let's go find your adventures. Use Onyx Off-Road. You can go farther with confidence knowing where you're going. Where I find it very useful is Onyx Backcountry. I travel often, and it really helps me plan and discover hikes that are around me. Currently, Austin, Texas, open Onyx Backcountry app on my phone. Boom, I can see local hotspots, where people are hiking, where people are trail running. Tells me all the information I need just to click away. Onyxmaps.com, use code out of bounds. And my second sponsor this week thefeed.com and what I'm really loving is this breakfast shake Kyoku I'm really starting to get the pronunciation down it's K-Y-O-K-U Kyoku say it with me everybody Kyoku we've got it breakfast shake for athletes my favorite thing about this shake is that they didn't just take a bunch of things and throw them into a powder and say enjoy it wasn't just i mean i'm sure it was developed in a lab i'm no engineer here but the big thing with kyoku is it utilizes 16 superfoods to give you the highest efficiency of every ingredient so if it doesn't need to be in there it's not in there you know there's greens there's black pepper and beetroot turmeric and apple uh tart and cherry all those things that i don't really like to eat necessarily all into this breakfast shake uh, it's got chickpeas for your proteins and your carbs brown rice hemp seed sweet potatoes it's gluten-free and vegan and it doesn't taste like grass which is one of my favorite things it kind of tastes like uh, 
There's like a little hint of turmeric and some cinnamon. It can be mixed with water. I find it tastes best when mixed with milk. Anyway, they solve breakfast. They solve the breakfast dilemma. You can get it at thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit. And here's the kicker. We're giving it to you. Try Kyoku for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. So if you go to thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit, you're getting it for free. Listeners, listen to me. This is free. Thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit. Pay $5 shipping. Get yourself some free Kyoku and let me know what you think. And now to our guest. Guest this week, Peter Stetna. He's also a feed athlete, so that rolls right into our partnership with The Feed. Again, go to thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit, get some free stuff, pay a couple dollars in shipping. Anyway, Pete Stetna is an off-road cyclist. He does gravel, endurance, endurance mountain bike racing. He's a privateer. He's got a van. He's on Canyon Bikes right now. Spent some time on the Tour de France. His family, he comes from a league of cyclists his uncle and his father dale and wayne i mean such a fun conversation he broke his wrist at sea otter and he, i believe he raced in the bedlam waffle race which we talk about in this but this was recorded prior he's a superstar he's a rock star we had so much fun and he's a human, which is my favorite part about all these athletes is they're just human and the conversations are always a blast. So let's get right in the episode with Pete. Okay, well, howdy. I'm Pete Stetna. Um, I do bikes. That's <laughs> kind of the best way to put it. Like I, I race them, I promote them, I do ambassador things for them. I try to create stoke. Around. I just do everything around bikes and that's how I make my living. <laughs> and the background of that is I did a little, you know, I Googled you. I had to, that's my due diligence, but your dad and your uncle were, did bikes mm. in your, yeah. in your terms. They raced bikes. They were the traditional cut and dry pro racer template. But, you know, I come from a, a family background of cycling. I mean, they were some of the, they were the dynamic duo brothers in the, 70s and early 80s uh you know taking turns mobbing around on the u.s scene and a little bit of international stuff in road racing um back when i mean i guess it's still a, a fringe sport but when it was more of a fringe sport but but do you think if they had and maybe i don't know you maybe you can't even answer this but if they had the opportunity to do what you do they would do that because it was cycling was different then like you didn't right. have the opportunity to really be well, road cycling was kind of like what gravel is now almost like it was uh a lot more by your bootstraps i guess um but i just mean like you can almost survive by just being an ambassador or like just being mm -hmm. like a, a superstar of stoke or it didn't exist the internet wasn't what it is now and like the little yeah. coverage that they got it was just a different cycling scene oh it totally is and you know, everyone, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's something that I hate <laughs> and like sometimes, you know, it's, it's like, I'm a racer, you know, I, I, I come from bike racing. I'm competitive. Like I still enjoy that component of it. Um, and it is a weird dynamic where you have people who are quote unquote pro athletes now that aren't very good at racing a bike, but you know, and there's that 
make some pros. I think they can get uh, a chip on their shoulder around it. Um, however, it's, I don't know. I think it's just that in this day and age, there's, I try to view it more holistically and there's like, everyone's got an angle, right? And if you have a unique way to tell a story, um, whether it's on a race course or via YouTube channels or whatever, like you find your way and if it's relevant, like good on you. And I guess like technically they're, you know, uh, influencers or whatever are, if they're making a living doing bikes, then I guess that means that's their profession. So they're a pro. Um, it's just not a, not a pro bike racer. Um, and I kind of fall somewhere in the middle, you know, there's, and there's a whole spectrum, right? You know, I think, you know, in gravel too, it's, you have to be your own manager and all of it, right? Like there, there isn't these big teams that do it all for you. There's not the hand holding. So, um, whether or not you like it, um, and it, <laughs> it depends on the day for me, you know, but, um, you, you have to do it, you know, you're a promoter. Um, and I tend to fall, you know, on that spectrum, like a little more into the, the race category, but I still do a bunch of the other projects, but there's people who kind of, they do race, but they fall more into like the, the ambassador category. And it's just about finding your way and you can't fault anyone for that. No, I don't, I don't mean any harm to, I mean, I fall into the other side of like, I'm very go. fortunate in the, you like. I don't know. I'm, I don't, I hate saying I'm an influencer. Like I have a platform and we have, <laughs> it's a crappy word, but, but yeah. like we have sponsors and we, yeah. I think we provide a great service and we, and you know, we, we do yeah. that, but like that comes with maybe a, I don't have a free bike, but you know, like free pairs of skis. And I'm like, I'm not a pro skier. Like it yeah. doesn't, but it, so it is, but you're finding a way to like, you know, monetize your passion a bit, which I think is, no one can fault anyone for that. I mean, that's awesome. Oh no. I, it's just funny how it like falls. And like, sometimes I get into the category of like, I meet up with people and then they assume I'm like this and I'm like, Oh, I suck at everything. I'm just here to have fun. <laughs> like I can, I'll be there. I'll meet you at the top or vice versa. But like, right. so it's, it is, it is crazy and it's interesting, but you kind of, you're still doing it, but you, you, I don't know, earned your rankings the traditional way as far as yes. you were on the big teams, you rode in the Tour de France, you've done, you've done, you did all that, which yeah. is like crazy one. I mean, I can't even, I'm sure you've talked about the tour a billion times. It's probably not even, but like the undertaking of that is a thing of its own, but how different is it to be on a team where everything's being managed and done for you versus now you're technically a privateer mm -hmm. and you have to do that. You have to hire your own mechanic and you have to find sponsors and align that align with what you do and what you believe oh, yeah. in and pitch them projects to be like this. There is return here. How yeah. different is that? And do you enjoy it? Cause it's kind of, it's not recent, but you made the switch pretty much at COVID, right? Like right. just before. Yeah. Yeah. So you made the switch and you're ready to go and then boom, global pandemic. <laughs> yep. So, um, I think that was a silver lining professionally because, um, I wanted to do this and, and I've always understood marketing a little bit just inherently, I guess, like I, I kind of see what makes sense and what 
people react to. Um, and it is, well, yes, it is a lot more work. I mean, there's no denying that. I, um, and I think to be successful in what the current landscape of gravels, a little bit more grassroots, you know, quote unquote privateering, it's, you have to have an entrepreneurial streak. And if you just want to do gravel racing because maybe you're not on a world tour team or whatever, then um, you're not going to get that far. You have to actually want to hustle on the back end and enjoy it. Um, it's just a different, it's a completely different vibe. Um, that said, the racing is still cutthroat and serious and, and all of that. But, um, you know, so first of all, I do enjoy it. It is a lot of work. I'm doing 70 hour work weeks. Um, I don't know how sustainable it is, but it's fun right now. Um, COVID happened 2020, my quote unquote rookie gravel season. And, um, I think it was the best learning experience because when all the racing had to shut down, it forced me to talk with sponsors and think and get creative and go on a deeper level and to still almost out of guilt a little bit to like try to provide value for all these people that had signed on to back me. Like you guys, like they still paid me and, and you know, I wanted to, I, I couldn't maybe get race results for them, but I need to provide some sort of value in their belief in me. Right. So how do you do that? Um, so it was kind of a crash course, a year long crash course in like marketing one Oh one. Um, and I think I learned a lot from it. Did you have, cause you didn't have any experience in, I mean, you pretty much jumped into being on a pro team and then you left. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Did you, yeah, go I mean, in the pro tour, it's, it's like any pro sport, you know, you, you, are more familiar with here in the U S there's, you know, you have a manager that does your contract and your agent and, you know, team lawyers and team PR people. And you're just literally handheld and they're saying, okay, we're going to this PR talk and then we're going to this team sign on. And then you're doing team dinner at this. And you're literally just focused on pedaling the bike. Um, it's all in the name of human performance. So, um, no, you're, you're not exposed to any of, I mean, you're always in it, but, if you have your blinders on, you don't actually see any of that. And it's easy to stay in your bubble. Yeah. You cross the finish line. They hand you the bottle that you're supposed to have in your hand at that moment. Yep. Yep. Exactly. But then you hear like, you know, you hear like an older pro being like, Hey Pete, like when you put the bottle in your bike cage, like turn the logo out. Yeah. So it's visible. And you're just like, as a, as, you know, some people are like, Oh, whatever. I put the bottle in the cage and others are like, Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's a small effort, but you always make sure the logo is facing out and every photo, boom. Well, it makes know? it usable for every brand forever. Exactly. And that's, yeah, I mean, I'm a photographer by trade. So like I've always, that's always been ingrained in my brain. Like always, you never know who could buy this photo. So make it available for everyone. But <laughs> it's it had to be a wild switch and it had to be, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but like, it sounds like you get to have fun now. Like it's more work, arguably. Yes. But you're like, you, it's, being on a team doesn't seem fun. Seems like you just <laughs> ride your bike. Which is um, like, cool, but. I, I respectfully disagree, I guess. It's, it's just, I'm having more fun now. You know, I was burning out on the pro, the pro 
lifestyle in Europe is so hard, right? It's, you have to live like a pro all the time because it is such a game of small percentages. And so a lot of the human aspect is kind of being sucked out of it. Um, if that's your desire to do the tour de France and all that, like it's fun. Like, you know, being on the road throughout the world with, with some teammates is really fun. It's just, you know, after a decade of it, like it starts to kind of grate on you a bit. Like you're just, I missed so many family graduations and weddings and reunions and important days for maybe not even a race, but a stupid training camp on a mountain somewhere to get ready for a race. And it's the, the selfish lifestyle that it takes to be a top level road cyclist, I think started to wear on me and, and in gravel, it's just, it's, it's about being a person. Like I, I like to say it's about being a person that races a bike rather than being a bike racer that happens to be a human, if that makes sense. It makes like, a lot of sense. We all have fun. Like we're all like road tripping and we like eating burgers and drinking beer and whatever. And just like, you know, but we also like throwing a leg over a bike and smashing each other to bits and whether or not you're fast or slow at that is kind of beside the point, but like it's, I mean, that's a lot more fun for me. I mean, just, I'm able to be myself unapologetically instead of being put into a box of a pro racer, which I did happily for, for a decade. And that was a different dream of mine. Yeah. It's a totally different. And I think you explained it really well, but like when you're the pro, you know, team racer, you're a number. And like, if yeah. you're not that top number or in that top 10, you get, put on the sidelines and the only way to stay yep. in that little box is yeah to be a robot essentially <laughs> I mean, yeah exactly yeah um it, yeah you just have to take a lot of personality away from it um so do you miss it you think you'll ever go back no i love no, that I'm done. I'm done i'm done with it um, i love that i I don't, I, I watch the racing now though. And it's like, I know what they're feeling and the nerves in, in like these certain bunch sprint moments and stuff. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I ride my bike just as hard. I can tell from like power values and all that, that this racing is crazy hard and gravel, but like, I don't know. I just, I come home and I do what I want. And I, you know, there's other things to take my mind off of it. You know, it's the, the thing that really I struggled with was even more than the racing was the downtime. I mean, for me, the worst day was always the day before the race when you would get to the team hotel probably two days before and the day before the race, like you just have to rest and you're in some dingy hotel in Europe and all you do is wait hours for your meals. You do a one hour bike ride, maybe you get a massage and then there's meals to look forward to, but you're also trying to not to eat that much because you didn't exercise that much. So literally it's like you have two to two and a half hours of like things to do, including eating that day. <laughs> and you have to fill an entire day of it. And you're just sitting there like brain dead in a hotel room, sitting on a bed and like, oh, I hated it. And now I at least like, yeah, I'm busy, but I come home and I have, I have shit to do. That's fun shit to do. <laughs> well, and you're home, right? Like, yeah. even if you don't have shit to do, you're just home. You're home. It's just like yep. people don't always, people who don't travel for work don't always get that. It's like, oh, you get to go all these yeah. places. And you're like, yeah, but I'm not home. Like, I can't go home and work on something or have a beer with my high school buddy. Yeah. Like, 
which is actually like why like i think part of the reason this whole van thing is amazing i mean i see you're sitting in a van there and you said you're full-time in it but that is home you know like i'll get to my mom's house as i'm traveling across country you know i'm in california now and i pass through colorado where i was born and raised and you know i park at her house but it's like She's like, oh, you know, come up into the guest room. But I'm like, you don't understand. Like, it's more of an effort to like pack a bag and like bring my toiletries up than like sleep in my own bed. Like, this is my moving apartment. I don't know if that's how you feel, but like, it makes it's a lot. I'm happier sitting in that thing. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like, I same thing. I just got back from a California and back trip, and I'm in New York, so full mm-hmm. cross country trip. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I was gone for six weeks and I did the thing. And my friend Digi was like, Hey, I have a place you can stay, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Amazing. And I like, parked in his driveway. I opened his door. I took a shower. Yeah. I watched TV on his couch. And then when it was time to go to bed, I like locked the house. Yeah. And went into my van. And I was like, This is, this is my, like, it's my pillow. It's my, and that's, yep. And it's fun to see all these gravel riders and everyone moto people they're all starting to see it and be like oh my god i can this is way better and i have Mm -hmm. everything i need and i can buy food that i know i can stomach for a race tomorrow and not go out to eat every day and yeah and like it's pouring rain today and i had six inches of snow yesterday it's like what is happening but like it is what it is and it's like it's amazing it's it's the greatest and your van's I love your van. I, you know, I obviously creeped it a little bit and the wrap is so, I don't know if it's a wrap or a paint job or, but like, it's just subtle enough, but cool enough, but not overwhelming. And all your brands have good placement. Like it's very well done. So that was, that was properly thought out. You know, it's like, you know, I kind of want to, it's a little bit tongue in cheek of like, Oh, this is the, the privateers team bus, not all the big Euro tour buses, you know, but it's also like, this is my van, you know, it's not, I have a, a deal and Storyteller Overland is, you know, we're, we're working together a little bit in a sponsorship fashion. However, I bought the van. Like, this is my van. I fully adhere to the van life movement or whatever the, the term is, right? I feel like that's the same thing as influencer now. But um, um, I, I wanted it to, you know, I use this for work. So I want to showcase my sponsors. I think it looks cool at bike events when there's stickers all over it and stuff. But... At the same time, I don't want it looking like a clown mobile where it's like, and it's also broadcasting, like there's a lot of valuable shit inside, (laughs) you know, like this one's just a little more subtle. It's a little bit like, oh, what's going on there? But it's kind of eye catching. And um, so thank you. Yeah, it's not (laughs) too much because there's so many gaudy rigs out there that are like, look at me. And this one's like, it's nice. I actually saw you you when I came into Sea Otter. I saw, I didn't know it was you. I didn't know your van. Um, but you were like parked up on a little, like nice, like perfect, like makeout. Oh yeah. And I was like, I was like, that is a good van and a good van spot up there. I know (laughs) I scored so well there. Oh my gosh. And I spent the whole, like, that was the corner where I crashed. So I spent like 72 hours just visualizing like that whole shot. And I was like, this is the point, this is the point. And then I got taken out 10 feet from the point. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Let's talk about it. If you want to talk about it, you brought it up. You um, have a broken radius currently yeah. Yeah. at Sea Otter within like the first mile of the start. Yeah. And this was on a mountain bike, yep. which is semi new to you. Correct. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but like uh, racing... I, I ride a mountain bike fair uh, quite often nowadays. 
I mean, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm an off-road cyclist, so I'm not as proficient as gravel drop bar racing, but I, I do mountain bike. Okay. So I'm wrong. So. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> you can tell me anytime. Dude. Um, but this was like, I mean, this is the first year everything's back. I feel, and it's like yeah. the first big race of the year. How do you deal with that mentally? Uh, yeah, you know, it was, there's a lot going through your mind at that one. Cause you know, like sea otter was not my specialty. Um, I had done everything right to have a great result there in looking at the fact that sea otter is the first of a bigger super series that's been created this lifetime grand prix. Um, and I feel like I've been mentioned in, in, you know, a lot of the, that favorites list for the series. I'm hopeful, you know, that's, that's part of my objectives for the season. So, um, you know, there's a whole method leading into that, right. From going to riding my mountain bike more than I had to going to a mountain bike race in Moab, which I had no business being at. That is like a whole nother level of mountain biking. I just got my ass swamped, but it was all for sea otter, right? It was all for leading into sea otter was going to feel like a freaking smooth, buttery road race after Moab. And it did pre-riding. And I knew every corner, like I had pre-ridden with a few mountain bike specialists and like was fine on the downhill. Didn't, I wasn't even phased. So I felt like I'd set myself up well to score as many points possible looking into this series, you know, whereas sometimes at gravel races, you know, I'm looking at, you know, hopefully winning the thing or podiuming. This was like, I feel like I can top five this thing internally, you know, and, and I, um, so I did everything right. And, and then the crash happened before we even got to the dirt, which was like, what the hell? Like <laughs> I didn't even make it into the dirt and someone took me out. Um, there's some argy bargy going on in there and it's just nerves and pull shots and sketchy start. And that's bike racing. I mean, we're professionals. We know what we get ourselves into, so you can't really throw fault either, but, um, it just, it, it hurt, you know, I got up and, and I started riding and it hurt, but the fact that I could ride, it was like, okay, you know, it's, it's probably a bad sprain. Maybe it's cracked, you know, but it's like, I'm pedaling and I'm not like, I can hold the handlebars and in, in pro cycling, you know, going back to my pro years is like, you're taught to remount and pedal unless you absolutely can't. Like, that's what you do to finish the race. Yeah, to get start the, the points, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, or in a stage race like the Tour de France, you have to finish the day to start the next day. So you you finish the race no matter what, and then you take stock and play damage control. Um, but, yeah, it really hurt in that race. Um, but I finished the thing somehow. Um, it was just kind of – I apologize to every rider around me on the downhills because I was yelling like a <laughs> – mofo just screaming in agony but um yeah uh and, and part of the reason was you know in in this series which there's a lot of hype around um you you get to drop your worst score right and so it's the best five of these six races and i didn't want the first race to already be my drop race, right? Like I would, cause you don't know what'll happen the rest of the year, right? Like unbound, ideally on paper, that's one of my best chances, but at the same time, like things go wrong at unbound in the blink of an eye. People are walking for six hours before getting picked up. Like the technicality of that race is insane. So, um, or the, the luck involved, 
I should say, not necessarily the technicality. And so I would much rather have this like measly mid pack score than have two scratches and be out of the running kind of thing. So that's kind of why I finished. And this is all a conscious thought process while you're within the first mile. Like, cause you just explained it in three minutes, but like this is happening in real time at an event oh, yeah. that you've been training for. And like, yeah, this was on the single track downhill trying to descend. Like, <laughs> like, you okay, know, you're going to do this. This corner's a bad idea on my wrist right now, but I think it's kind of a good idea. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> and yeah. So. And you rode the whole thing one handed. And now for the most part, and now, you yeah, have... there's, there's a lot of resting paw resting on the handlebar kind of thing. Like, you know, but, and you've been super open about it following your Instagram and following your, like, you were just at the doctor and they made a brace for you that like you brought like your arrow bars in they yeah. like, morphed it for your hand. And then there was like a readjustment, but I just thank you for sharing that story. Cause it's so, <laughs> it's so fun to see though. And it's just like humanizing you cause you are that pro oh, athlete. You. Like you are on that pedestal and there's people who watch and look up to you and, st and follow this. Like, it's like, to that, I mean, I, I don't watch mm -hmm. any sports, so I'm a horrible example, but like <laughs> people know like every football, like there's a football draft coming up and people right, are like, oh, he's right. second round. Like people follow you like that and other yeah. pro uh, cyclists. And it's like to have that like behind the scenes of like you like putting arrow bars on, I think you put them on your gravel bike. It's like, yeah, but yeah. like anything you can do to get on the bike and get in the saddle and pedal. Well, you know, it's, and this is another thing I've, you know, we've just talked about how important this lifetime Grand Prix race is, but you know, it's the timing of this wasn't good. It's just, you know, there's the Belgian waffle ride was in, in a week from our recording, but, um, it was three weeks post crash and then unbound is, is eight weeks, you know, and as a whole, I was racing every weekend in May, every single weekend. Right. So like things are only getting heavier. As you said, you know, this was kind of like the, the big season kickoff. Kick yeah. So, you know, if you, you know, just hit the bottle and kind of woe is me and wait for your bone to heal by the time you do get the clearance to go ride, you've already lost all your fitness. So, you know, you kind of had to have the mindset of like, I still need to keep everything else going because honestly, like you don't need your hand to pedal, like it's your legs and your lungs. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of annoying that's like a thing that doesn't actually have that much meaning, um, except for like the pain and, and steering the bike. So, um, you know, I kind of had to have this mindset of like, I don't have a return date, but I know I need to be primed because I'll set myself up for the whole year or I'll lose the whole year actually. Um, and then, you know, the, the Belgian waffle ride is, you know, so, so this whole series, it, it actually got annoying to me in that, you know, everyone's talking about the series now. And I love this lifetime series. Like the people at lifetime are, are friends. This is a big thing, but so many athletes in the media are just like, Oh, but, but unbounds fine. Your, your lifetime series is fine. Like that's all that matters. And I'm kind of like, no, like the whole reason of doing this gravel thing is to sample all these different events. And like, I can't put this series on a pedestal and some racers are, and it grates me because like, Belgian waffle ride is huge. I would say that's the second biggest gravel race in the world after unbound, you know, the mid South, the steamboat gravels, like they're just as important. And like, 
you know, the fact that this is risking and, and I'm still a, an unknown and I'm feeling pessimistic on Belgian waffle rides sucks. And in the whole media in general is just like, Oh, but the lifetime series. And I don't know. That's not why I got into gravel. So, yeah, I think it's a testament to like who you are and kind of maybe why you walked away from like the world tour is like, now you're this privateer. And like, at the end of the day, it sounds like you really are having fun and enjoy riding your bike and yes, this is a career, and yes, this is like your life. You want to sample like these these different events and these different like you don't care about the you care about the Super Bowl, but right. the whole point is to ride a bike and have fun, and you just happen to be really good at it and can like yeah. make a living doing it. Yeah, thank you. And it's you know I I didn't get into this you know that's kind of the whole reason I was against the whole UCI coming into gravel, which is another conversation is like, I didn't get into this to chase a series and be beholden to one thing. And, and the lifetime series is a great effort. And they're trying to bring back big pro racing in North America, which I a hundred percent support. So of course I want to be a part of it. Um, but I didn't get into this to just put all my eggs in, in a basket like that. So. Yeah. And I think it's just supporting all the other races that have kept exactly. it, kept this sport and grown this sport for so long. And like, mm -hmm. excuse my ignorance and not knowing all of them, but I, like I said, I don't, I'm the opposite of media when it comes to that stuff. Like I don't, I know right. lifetime cause I've worked for lifetime events back in mm -hmm. the day, but like, uh, I know it's funny when I read the articles, I see everyone talking about this big series and it's like, there's a ton of there's like crazy gravel races in Vermont that no one's ever heard of that like, Oh yeah. Boswell showed up at last year and like crushed everybody. He just did it cause he wanted to, he didn't do it because yeah. like he needed to get first. He did it cause he wanted to go ride that course. Exactly. And, like, and exactly. that's to me watching pros like that, that's riding a bike. Cause at, at the end of the day, we're Thanks. riding bikes. Like we're not, exactly. like we're, we're yeah. riding bikes and yep. it's, it's fun to see athletes like yourself and may, I'll, you'll leave this conversation with a boosted ego, but like just having fun, like we're, we're riding bikes. It's not, yeah. you just be, happen to be really good at it and fortunate enough that you can like do this. But by you walking oh. away, I think it's a big, <laughs> it's a big, like, I'm going to have fun and I can do this. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I need a little confidence boost looking at my paw right now. So I, I need a win, really. So thank you. Yeah. What do you feel? This is an opinion piece here. How do you feel about suspension on gravel bikes? <laughs> well, it's saving me right now. It's literally saving my hand. Um, I, I mean, I don't really care. I, I have some. Um, so I have like my normal gravel race bike, and then I have this gravel bike with this new suspension fork. And um there's a time and a place, you know, it's, it, it, we can get philosophical about it, but, um, I don't see it. I don't see myself racing it. I mean, unless it's very, very technical, but I can't think of a race that I know in North America that it would be more of a benefit because it is heavier. It's less aerodynamic. Um, and the races just aren't that chunky. If if you got something really gnarly, then it starts to make a difference. But for adventuring, it's freaking amazing. And I don't know. I feel like all these. So if you look back at the '90s, right when mountain biking was first kicking off, you had all these places. Like I live 45 minutes from Marin County, which is you know the birthplace of the mountain bike, the original repack downhill. 
they were on these like rigid, no suspension bikes blasting on these dirt roads and bike technology gets better. And so the trails get a little gnarlier because you can do more stuff. And so then bike technology, and it's kind of been like this arms race between bike technology and trail difficulty for, you know, a couple decades now. And a lot, like if you go ride like an old school mountain bike trail, like on today's bikes, it's kind of boring. Like yeah, it's, I'm you, in you Western New York. So That's all we have. You have, you have so much plush, you know? And it's like, you're just like riding this like lazy boy around almost. And, and so now with today's gravel bikes, like, I feel like the trails are the original trails are having a renaissance because they're really fun on these bikes that are a little bit rougher to ride again. Um, and so, you know, you throw suspension in there and it's just, it's fun on some of this original stuff. And I don't know, I feel, I like it. I think a, a drop bar mountain bike. Basically, it's so it's basically a hardtail with drop bars instead of flat bars, right? And that is badass. Like that's what that's what I call an ATB. You know, you have MTB, which is mountain bike, and ATB, all terrain bike. Like that's sick. So yeah, it's like it's literally like it's a new category, and it's interesting. And you know, Fox just released their gravel fork, and there's a ton of talk about it. And me not being like. Like I ride my bike, I ride my bike all the time, but I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a cyclist. I just like having fun. I'm like, why don't we just mountain bike? Like, that's how I view it. But then it's a little bit like that, but yeah. But hearing what you say is like, it makes these like old school trails really fun or really technical when like I pull out my full sus bike and I'm like, oh, this is plush. Like this is, yeah, this is boring. This is, yeah, you know, and then. I just seen again my ignorance. You'll be like, you'll get off this conversation. But like, the stem that has like suspension in it. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that either. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I I was like, this is a gimmick. Like I've seen a gimmick yeah. before. This is a gimmick. <laughs> and my yeah. buddy rides it and like like not spot like paid retail. And he's yep. like, dude, it changed my life. Like it just not cha- But like he's like, it's so nice. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm wrong i guess i don't know i just laugh at like we're literally getting back like we're gonna go back to 26 inch tires and then just hard tails with cross country like that'll be everyone's pro mountain bike in like cross country bike in a year and i'm like what we're just going backwards but it's kind of interesting and then the e-bike thing i don't know how do you feel about e-bikes what are your what's your take on e-bikes it's it's amazing once you check your ego, I think. Because, like, you know, I, I don't ride e-bikes. And, you know, I get paid to pedal, right, and be good at pedaling. So, um, you know, the fact that when you are on some certain rugged trails or something, or, you know, I was training in Tahoe a few summers ago, and I'm, like, full-on pro road bike doing an interval up a climb, and this Fred with, like, a backwards helmet passes me on an e-bike, <laughs> just like on like a Sunday spin. And I was like, I was pissed. I was like, but at the same time, it's like, that's my problem. That has nothing to do with him. Right. Like I, I just need to like internalize that and kick it out because it's like, that's just a feeling. And, and then, you know, um, if you're, I don't know if you're familiar, if you don't know cycling as well, but, um, the Finney family. So, Taylor Finney was a 
colleague of mine, a, a friend, um, and his dad was and mom were Olympic level bike racers during uh, my folks era. Family friends from Boulder, Colorado. Um, Davis has very advanced Parkinson's. Um, it's been pretty well documented. He has a big foundation around it and he's pretty handicapped now. Um, and I was visiting family in Thanksgiving a few years ago in Boulder and I was out on a ride and I saw the Finneys in one of Boulder's canyons riding together and Davis was on an e-bike and it was because of that e-bike that he could go out for a spin with Taylor and his wife, Connie again. And I was like, uh, I get it. I get it now. So like, I, I fully think e-bikes are great. I think the conversation should be, you're not driving a car. I don't, I mean, right. all bikes are better than a car. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. It's an interesting, uh, my buddy, Roy, he's the founder of high fives foundation. He had a spine. Oh, you know, Roy. Yeah. Okay. But like, say like yeah. he huge proponent of e-bikes because yeah he they gave him his life back like his stoke back oh my gosh like it's i went i went on a ride with roy i think during covid summer and um you know he was a badass like half pipe skier the dude hucked himself yeah. and um and you know th that style of personality they they have that that adrenaline need right they they get off on those those big yeah it doesn't stop and, right and so the fact that like you know he was on this bike and we did this flow trail with some jumps and some berms and stuff and the way he hit it and was just hooting again like you saw like the that stoke in that life that like was his passion for so many years before his injury like come out uh, which was awesome yeah so. it's there's so many. I go back and forth on them. Like I would love to, I think I'm just jealous cause I don't own one, but I'm always <laughs> like, if I own one, I need to get all my friends to own one. Cause I'm not yeah. going to be the guy who's just like passing you on and up like do do do. Like I need everyone yeah. to do it. But I also think maybe the, to go back to like your gravel bike with a fork, maybe we'll see the terrain start changing. I'm like, they're going to build possibly, maybe I'm completely wrong, but like e-bike trails that like, a normal human wouldn't be even be able to pedal or like you go to Moab and some of those dirt bike mm. single track, you know, you go left to go on whatever single track and then you go right to go on dirt bike single track. It's like you could start doing harder things, which is just going to progress the sport in its own. It's an interesting Maybe. thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where it'll go. Um, you know, currently it's just pedal assist, you know, and it's, there's a line between pedal assist and motorized. Like you're basically riding a motorcycle. Yeah. Um, I don't think so e-bikes should have throttles. That's no. what I am against. You know, and they have all different classes of it, but you know, the pedal assist to just kind of help you go a bit further or to, you know, not be as tanked when you get to the top. If you know, it's, and now they have e-bike racing, which I'm not really sure how I feel about that. It's I guess. Weird but, thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's great. People are on yeah. bikes. They're out there. Like I love the, I think I would get an e-bike pedal just as hard, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah, you're just doing it faster, but then at that point, it's like I don't know. I just drive that is a car. how you get into trouble, though. Like, I guess. Yeah, it is different. Like when I rode, I don't know, I'm sure you've been on e-bikes, but like if you go and do like your local loop on an e-bike, and you just come into like these uphill turns way faster than you would come into them normally, it's like mm. it's it's a different style of riding. But the racing is 
interesting for mm. sure. I don't know. I don't want to hate on anything. Just go have fun, everybody. <laughs> whatever, whatever yeah. makes you tick, I guess. What um, you have a video coming out. It might. It's probably going to be out by the time this episode gets released. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. It's called which video? Uh, your your frenemy battle. Oh, with Lawrence. Yeah. Okay. There's a few things in the pipeline. They're all coming together. It's going to be great. Are they all coming out in sequence? No. This one's coming uh, out like April. Yeah, this is 29th. this is a yeah, this is a different project with Lawrence Ten Dam. Um, and it's 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 his project. I got to give him full credit for it. I'm just a, I'm just an actor in this one. Yeah, but that's um, great. That's even more fun. <laughs> it makes it more fun. I don't have to do all the back end BS and the editing and the yeah. You just got asked to be a part of it. Yeah, exactly. No, it was it was funny. It was um it it was we we randomly signed up for this bike packing race across the Colombian Andes independently. Like Lawrence and I are good friends and every <laughs> year I try to do this um something for, you know, like gravel is not just North America, right? It, it, it's it's everywhere even though gravel racing is predominantly in North America, but it's it's expanding and I want to continue, as I said, to like sample all these different events and continue to per push my personal frontier of that. So I try to do an international trip or two every year, you know, and if I can get a sponsor or something to like basically help cover the cost for some media, because at the end of the day, I'm promoting bicycle stuff. Um, then I can get a free trip to somewhere rad. <laughs> that's, Nothing's that's free. Hustle. Nothing I, is free. I've given you my internal. I know I sell my soul to do a rad trip internationally. You guys all know the inside, the inside scoop now. Nothing <laughs> is free. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I came across this race across the Andes of Colombia, and I was like, oh my God, this is nuts. Nobody's done this shit. Like I'm going to, yes. Like, and so I started talking to the organizer and we worked some stuff out and, you know, I was doing some some stuff with the community in Bogota the days before to like help get me down there, and uh, and it was a big community outreach thing. And then Lauren, I announce it, you know, to help promote Stoke around the race. And uh, Lawrence is like, "What the hell, dude? Like, I'm doing that. I was gonna like, <laughs> you beat me to it. You no, like, I found this first. <laughs> like, it was like it was kind of a funny like childish like back and forth because we just jab each other all the time on on whatsapp but um you know he was coming down with his live slow ride fast crew which is actually a production company they do their own videos um and they had pro which is a mutual sponsor of ours uh making a whole thing about his his colombian adventure and so the fact that i was there and we share the sponsor he was literally kind of, bullied it oh yeah yeah i just fully like <laughs> slid right in <laughs> But it's amazing. I mean, and the fact that we were there together, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, he's, you know, the most famous gravel rider in Europe, which is very gravel racing curious right now. And I'm, I've got a decent following here stateside. I mean, this, you know, Columbia was the, the gravel center of the universe in February, which I mean, everyone was watching and it, it captured some interest because there was some wild spicy moments in that thing. So where can we watch it? Because this will be it's out. gonna be on liveslowridefast.com. Okay. Lawrence's own production company, yeah. And I'm sure all over YouTube and Instagram and yeah. Can you talk about what else you have coming out or is it all still in the pipeline? Um 
I'm not sure how much I can divulge. I mean, we've been like leaking a few things. Um, there's going to be a really nice video, more uh, adventure and holistically community driven coming out courtesy of Shimano with me in, uh, I would hope the next month or two. Um, and then I'm in the middle of kind of like a season long project with, uh, with Big Tall Wayne right now in Canyon doing some fun shenanigans. Is that where you see your like progression going as far as like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy, but like, you can't be top tier pro forever. Right. There's mm -hmm. always like, there's a bell curve somewhere yep. in your path. I'm not saying you're near it. I'm not saying nothing, but like, this yep. is that hopeful for what's next for you as far as like um, bigger video projects more public speaking more community outreach and you're doing that now but yeah that's i like, mean it's always that's a good question and that's i mean every athlete will address that i've obviously had to think about that with injuries in the past too and stuff and whether or not i'm even in the world tour on a contract cycle and struggling to get a contract because of some bad results or injury or whatever. And, um, but no, I, I mean, I, I realize that. And, and I think it kind of just stems back to the start of our conversation and you have to be creative and you have to, I, I want to do bikes, whatever that is. <laughs> and right now that means racing a bike pretty proficiently, but you know, as soon as that starts to slip, I mean, I got to find another way to do bikes because I'm in love with bikes. Um, and, um, I think racing a bike gives well, gives some sort of legitimacy to everything else you do in a public eye. It's just something about performance, right? That people it, either they inherently understand, or that's just been the way our culture has been for so long. Um, so I think it's important to race well as long as I can. And I'm also just, I'm a competitive asshole. Like I just, <laughs> I, I, I will race you. In the truth comes out. I know. So I like, I love bike racing. I love racing. Um, but I, I'm not BSing anyone in that I got into this for the fun of it around it. So, you know, I almost kind of can let the racing try to speak for itself and that's its whole other thing. And then everything I'm personally doing, is that almost even more of like the passion and what like I really want to do? Like I don't feel a need to make a race recap video. Like I, I just, you know, there's a lot of that out there. So that's acceptable. That's an acceptable answer, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm the judge. If you could pitch, and maybe you don't have an answer for this either, but if you could pitch like a dream project right now, what would that be? What does that look like? It could be super vague too. Um, a dream project. I mean, we're kind of starting to tinker into it with um, Canyon and Orange Seal right now, but um, it's just, it's kind of shenanigans around the race. It's the lifestyle of gravel race touring, you know, it's, and the race is kind of the backdrop to like, you know, it's imagine, you know, you, you can put yourself with, you know, Pete and big tall Wayne and, you know, just like the BS of the road tripping and the Airbnbs that we find ourselves in and, and all the other shenanigans around the race, maybe, you know, and, and so you can almost like, that's 
as much fun as maybe the race a lot of times is a crazy weekend with one of your best buds. So um, that's kind of what we're doing right now. Yeah, I think it's just humanizing yourselves because you guys are on these pedestals. So it's like humanizing, normalizing, and ultimately it's creating shareable content. And now people feel like they're on that trip with you, which yeah, at the, yeah. End, at the end of the day drives the machine, which drives the sponsors, which drives the yeah. bank account. Well, which a drives way, the I think there's just a way to stay true to yourself and do it right. And there's a way to just like sell out and almost just look spammy. And I think people understand or like truly organic content. Like the thing that comes that thing that I hate the most is, and, and every sponsor is guilty of it, some worse than others, but most are understanding now, but you know, it's when you get a, Hey, can you plug this thing on earth day about this thing? And you know, it's, it just, I mean, everyone puts it out on the same day from like, you know, you'll see X bike come, or like, here's a great example, right? Like Trek bikes. I, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus horribly, but like the They'll world tour okay. team, we were, we were road cyclists. Right. And they was like, we're launching a new downhill bike video. Like, and they would have the entire 30 man road team be like <laughs> new sick Trek bikes, downhill whip, you know, and this like shred video, which is like, nobody was following me for my love of downhill shred videos. Right. And it just looked so like spammy. Right. And, and so it's like, that's the stuff I struggle with. And so it's, it's, it is about always having a conversation with, you know, I'm working with a company. I love your product. There's a reason we're working together. We share a story, we share a value, whatever it is. Like we have to tell why we share that value, right? Like that, why, why are we together? Not blatantly promote said product, which is fine. You know, it's like, so it's always a battle, but I think, but people, the consumer, they're really aware of that more now than ever before. I, I think people hate being like, you hate being subtly fed an ad, like, you know, cause you're not, you're not wanting to be fed that ad, you know? Yeah. And I think people just call people out on their bullshit now. They do more than ever, which is great. Like I'm a Sierra Nevada ambassador. Okay. Great beer. I don't drink. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so how's right. this going? <laughs> right. So like full transparency, we had like a right. meeting and they were like, great. Like they love what we do. They love the podcast. They want to sign me as an ambassador. They're like, do you have any questions? I was like, I don't drink. Like I'm telling you this. I don't drink. I'm straight edge. I've never drank. I don't have any demons. Like I bartended for 10 years. Like I fully support the beer industry. I get it. I get why yeah. people drink. I just don't. Mm -hmm. That's it. And they're like, we love that. And I was like, okay. And I love your sustainability story and how you're actively cre like creating breweries that a runoff solar power and like there you go. this at this is this episode is not sponsored by them but it's the same thing of like am i selling out here or am i not and now they have a hops water which is totally non-alcoholic which aligns yep. with what i can promote which are but, delicious i know a few of those products yeah like. but it was like 
it's so funny because I'm like, I can't believe I just signed this contract with this company that makes a product that I don't. But I'm like, where do we fit? Where do we align? And I can tell right. you for a fact, I have sold cases of beer. <laughs> like, so it's it's interesting, and it's been sorry. Oh, you're fine. Pete's just wandering around his house now. I think. <laughs> Yeah, but that was just me being a nincompoop and not turning my phone on vibrate for this, this all right. call. And I'm sorry. Oh, you, you owe me not nothing. You owe uh, me but nothing. no, that's totally that's totally true. And it's like, you do have that story. It's okay to be like, I don't drink. Maybe you listeners do, but like, that's awesome that they're doing all these initiatives. And that's something I'm stoked about. Right. And that's, that's your angle. And I think it was just and you talked about it, but just being transparent with the brands on like what works and what doesn't. And like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And that's, that might hurt you in the initial, in the first month, but like mm -hmm. long-term longevity of your sponsorships and the people, cause they're relationships. Mm -hmm. Like I, I deal with them every, I have meetings every day about it as I'm sure you do, but I'm like, I don't want, I don't want your money right now. And then you never email me. And we don't, nothing ever happens. Like money's yep. cool, but like, this is a relationship. This is a partnership. I want to help you, but I also want you to help me. Right. Um, and that's, it's nice when you find brands that align with that mm -hmm. and get it. Like, yep. No, I mean, you definitely, and that was something <laughs> I learned early and fast is you have to think about your stance and your brand and those partnerships that make sense. You know, like, I mean, it makes a lot more sense for me to align with the feed and cliff bar, which is organic and performance oriented than a caffeinated energy drink, right? Like I, I don't drink that. So like, I, and you know, so you have to think about like the relationships you tell and who you align yourself with. Yeah. And yeah, it should just be a two way street, which it, you know if they don't get that then they shouldn't be in that position but it is nice some athletes don't get it and you talk to them and you're like ah this is cool right now but in six months that check's not going to be signed again because there was no two-way street happening there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but what's next for you what are you looking at are you going to try to get on the bike i don't want to keep mm -hmm. you too long here uh, we kind of dabbled on it but what's next for you where do you see yourself this time next year oh the one year lookout well i'm kind of going week by week right now so <laughs> belgian waffle ride is in nine days um i am riding outside with my fancy brace i can't i mean that is the most technical gravel race i can think of it's so bumpy and twisty um so i have an x-ray and then I will maybe, I don't know when this will drop, but, um, I'm basically going to decide two days before the race, whether or not I can compete at BWR. I'm feeling a little pessimistic right now, but if I can get a bit more clearance from the doctors to minimize this brace a little bit and make a light gamble, then I would love to line up being the, you know, it's, it's a big, big race and, and it's personally a big race for me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, well, just kind of go through the season and hopefully <laughs> unbound is a big one. Um, and, you know, I have uh, every year I say I'm going to do a little bit less racing because 
my wife is kind of like, what the hell? Like, I thought you'd be home more once you left the world tour. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I need to start saying no a bit more. Um, but I was burnt out at the end of last year. And then I said yes to even more events this year because they're all so fun. So I'm traveling around in my big dumb van for the rest of the summer and, and getting home as much as I can and, and playing bike racer for another season. <laughs> Perfect. And I'll, I'll do that again next year, but uh, maybe a little bit less races, a little bit more. Right right now, I think I want to say they're quality and quantity, but next year it'll be a little bit less quantity. A little more quality. I don't even know. I feel like I'm doing all the big events. And, and I want to say that, <laughs> a little more quality, but like I'm already doing all the big events. So it's like maybe I'll like do a bit more unknown events and less of the big events. You know, like you said, that crazy rural one in Vermont, like, I want to do that. Yeah, just to do I, it. There's no yeah. media point in doing I love, that. I, I love Leadville, but I don't need to do Leadville every year for the next 10 years, you know? Like, right. So, yeah, it's a we'll good see. take. It's a good take. I like it. Um, sponsors to thank. Where can people follow you? Um, sponsors to thank. Uh, Canyon is my headliner. You know, they, they, keep everything going. Um, Orange Seal, The Feed, Shimano, um, Storyteller Overland, Cliff Bar, Athletic Brewing, non-alcoholic. You could talk to them <laughs> uh, and, and a few others. Um, you know, I, I'm very lucky to have basically a, a host of people that keep the lights on and I've found a nice manageable balance between, um, um, you know, not always being spammy, but also like being able to pay my mortgage. So that's, that's kind of the balance I'm in right now. And, um, it's very obvious who else sponsors me. If you check out my website, peterstetna.com, or if you just kind of see what I'm doing throughout the year. So if you follow at P Stetna on Instagram, just the first letter P S T E T I N A. Otherwise fully spelled out Peter Stetna on the Twitter, on the Twitter, on the Twitter. Peter, which if it, if it gets fully private with uh, Musk, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll just have to get off that thing too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm trying my best. I like, yeah. I really like Twitter lately. That's the problem. It like, I feel like yeah. it faded for a while and then Twitter got really fun. It did again. It had like a resurgence <laughs> once like Facebook started ruining Instagram. Yeah. It was so. just like, it, but it was none of the riffraff. Like you could just talk to like. The, yeah. It was weird. It was like mini private public conversations on Twitter, but now it's yeah. like back on the map and it's a mess again. So who knows? Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. This was, this was a good chat, man. I really appreciate you reaching out. Absolutely, dude. Thanks. So that was episode 59 of the pursuit podcast on the out of collective. That was Pete Stetna. Uh, beer drinking, cycling, broken wrist, having, superstar such a fun conversation i loved the talking about suspension forks and gravel cycling and mountain biking and the switch so great conversation so much fun thank you for taking the time peter as always follow him on instagram follow us on instagram at mrautomax.com at auto collective leave a five-star review if you want a sticker pack let us know send us your address we'll send you a sticker pack and i think that's it for this week um hope everyone is getting out there playing outside because it's it's time it's time to play outside i'm mr adam x and i will see you tomorrow